What is up, everybody? Welcome to my little auditory journal, Self-Improved, where I just love getting out all this hoarded information onto you. Thank you. We are going to dive into week two of the Science of Well-Being by Dr. Lori Santos of Yale University, the the most infamous Kolboinik when it comes to your happiness and this literature behind it. I was really excited when we finished last time. Harry, what do you have to say? He's just, my brother's grabbing some frozen pizza, passing the studio, and he's not going to say anything, but I'm putting him on the spot. Hello. Oh my God. He finally spoke into the mic for the first time. This is a huge day, huge day. I'm absolutely, I'm pumped. I'm excited. This is amazing. Anyways, people, I was really pumped, speaking of being pumped, on getting into week two because we're going to touch on some stuff that just is a friendly reminder, and I'm not going to spoil any longer. Let's get into week two of the science of well-being. Dr. Lori Santos says majority of the time, people who are miserable before something will be miserable after that thing. This is regarding material goods you possess, whether they're affected by social circles or social media, good grades, cosmetic surgery, believe it or not, marriage, and the perfect body. I read one of the studies regarding marriage and happiness because that's really fascinating to me. I could talk all day about marriage. It's something that I'm scared of yet excited for and it's a weird mix and I don't know if I'm going to get married. I don't know if I want to. Anyways, and the literature suggested there that those who were happy before marriage were more likely to get married and stay married, which is a bit of a pessimistic thought for me myself because I've got a lot to work on mentally and oh, I also want to get married because so many people find joy and nachis in marriage. But me personally, if I'm, oh my goodness, I'm such a schmo and I, I forgot to turn off my vibration. Anyways, people, I will say that one more time. If you are happy before marriage, you are more likely to get married and stay married, period. There's a Things she calls annoying features of the mind, and, and she refers to this throughout the course all the time. The first one being, people think they're outliers. So when you think you're an outlier saying, oh, the literature says that the money won't help. Oh, the literature says that you have to be happy before something. And they say, I'm different. That's you saying you're an outlier. Apparently, this is our mind leading us astray. So sorry to break it to you. You are no different. You are like 90% of people that think they're outliers. You're not actually an outlier unless you are actually an outlier, but it's unlikely. <laughs> now in my notes, I said this reminds me of the identity change video I watched at the time. I have absolutely zero idea why I would say this reminds me of that video, but I really like the information I wrote down and I still refer to it today. So here it goes. We like to stay the same because we're familiar with our old identity. Since we know what has happened in the past has kept us alive today, we will continue inappropriate behavior from the past because we know it kept us alive. Even if our higher self, our superego says that smoking kills you, we will smoke another cigarette because we are alive right now because our brain thinks that smoking a cigarette yesterday correlated with our survival today. I know that sounds really trippy, but play that back if it was too confusing or convoluted. The future doesn't exist, we can't see it, so we associate fear with the future. Our ego does not like drastic change, because that actually represents a death to our ego theoretically. Change means our ego has to die in order for us to think or act differently. Now I'm reading a book called Live Like a Monk, and he says 
the ego never dies. It just resurrects. You can kill it, but it's going to be born again. And I've actually talked to friends about this concept in regards to the ego, saying that when our ego resurrects, it's like a baby being born. You have to teach your ego how to talk again. And the process goes over and over. You're always reteaching your ego what to say and do and decide. Some people believe there's a myth that, or sorry, sorry, not that. It's, it's sorry, sorry, I butchered that. It's some people believe life balances out. So if something good happens to you, something bad has to happen. You know, karma, that is literally what people think karma is, that there's this balance. And that is a myth, according to Dr. Luis Santos. She believes how a person outlooks life in such a way, say, saying that it's genetic, potentially. And this actually reminds me of a, a classic argument in the literature of mental health, which is, are people with depression or anxiety seeing the world more realistically or are they seeing the world unrealistically? And that is almost philosophical. You can't prove, but yet there's tons of literature trying to prove which is true there. Because for all we know, there's just tons of ignorance and bliss in the world. And that's why there are a lot of mentally healthy people. But you can't prove that. Maybe on the other end of the spectrum, they are seeing the world the right way. And it's the folks who are depressed or anxious that have a morbid look on things. Now, she showed a chart, like a pie chart, and apparently majority of our happiness comes from intentional efforts. Um, it was, I want to say it was like a 60-30-10. So majority came from intentional efforts. The 30% came from genetics. And then that 10% was from circumstances beyond our control, like a car accident or, some, or an accident at work that cuts off a leg, you know, something brutal that you can't prevent. And for anyone who's pessimistic, this is a very optimistic thought, right? To know that you do have the control to be happy. It's in your control unless obviously some of these genetic factors plus circumstances in life take over. Thinking back, I'm not sure the pie chart was like that. I'd have to look at that again, actually. I think it might've been almost 50-50 for the genetics and your intentional efforts. And then that circumstantial stuff was the, the 10% for sure. Something she makes very evident is that our intuitions on happiness are very wrong. And some of this stuff can sound very blunt that she says, but I like that. It's actually very true is we suck at predicting our happiness. We suck at predicting what we think will make us happy. And we have a lot of these intuitive thoughts that our gut tells us that because think about it, we have the feeling brain and the thinking brain and that emotional side of the brain kicks in first. And often we're listening to that the most. Um, so food for thought is don't really trust your intuitions when it comes to well-being. Now that's according to Lori Santos, of course, like take that with a grain of salt. She's just one PhD. There's a ton of PhDs on well-being or shall I say doctors, not just PhDs. Uh, another good point, she, she says social comparison can be to blame for people's misery. That one is so much easier said than done. I feel like we subconsciously compare to people socially. Heck, I've been battling with that right now, to be totally honest. It was interesting. She brings economics into this saying that the reason ads tell us to get things we don't need is because there is a need for a stable economy. If we did not have that need for a stable economy, there wouldn't be any reason to get people to buy things they don't need. Again, this is just what one PhD doctor has said, so take it with a grain of salt. 
that was it for week two and week three i will talk about more next time and the rewirements for that was talk to a stranger make a new social connection and perform a random act of kindness so maybe you hearing those three things inspire you to do the same this week go for it tell me how it goes Thanks so much for listening, everyone. It's a bit of a shorter one, but I'll keep breaking these up into weeks. Plus, these days, who wants to listen to a super long podcast? Every podcast is a couple hours. Maybe this is be a refreshing 10-minute one for you. Um, anyways, thanks so much for listening. I just realized that this is on Apple Podcasts, so I think you can rate my podcast on there. So give it five stars if you've made it this far. Anyways, I will stop talking. Enjoy the rest of your day. You are amazing. See you later. I almost forgot. I know you're wondering what the heck is going on. Zev's still here. I I made a rant on my bike about Mary's room's problem. And I explain it when you listen to that clip because something that I used to hear all the time makes way more sense now at my age of 24. So here it is. Quick second here. So yeah, I am biking. You probably hear cars and I'm outside. Definitely not the best setup for this right now, but I just had, had to share it on this platform which is the Mary's room problem or the Mary's, yeah, Mary's room predicament, whatever you want to call it, where Mary only saw black and white, yet she knew everything about color, down to the electromagnetic wave. Well, she opens the door from the room and sees color and says, now I understand what it's like to see color. So I refer to that because I, this happens to all of us. We hear people say things that we think we understand, and you actually don't until maybe later on it hits you like life happens not to you but for you sorry for all the vibrations and i just was biking here and thinking oh my god i get it because i used to say that when the situation popped up if someone wasn't being grateful i would just spit the words life doesn't happen to you happens for you not knowing the true meaning or understanding it i guess i knew the meaning i just didn't understand and now All these things are happening in my life. I'm learning a lot, even in my mid-20s. And I just think back to getting a driver's license, you know, going to a a school dance and getting my first kiss or something, or like all these moments in life, my bar mitzvah, all these things that people think are just going to happen. But life does not happen to you. It happens for you. You have to go out and make these things happen. Technically, I didn't have to get my license. I I had to make that happen. There are a bunch of things happening in my life right now, personally, that I'm realizing like, oh my God, I could have sat around forever, never gained experience in certain aspects of life and career-wise. But like everyone, when they get older, talks about some of this stuff as if it just falls into their lap. But that's not the case. Like you have to make it happen. I can't stress that enough. You have to make it happen yourself. It doesn't just fall on your lap. I'm sorry, it doesn't work like that. That's why life happens for you, so you can take control when the opportunity arises. That's all I wanted to say. I know it's probably really shitty quality because I'm outside at a busy intersection, but I don't really care. That's what the, no one listens to this, so this is just for me.